Leg ties beneath each knee held the legging in place. Like the others, he wore deer-hide moccasins. His head, while shaven, was not unadorned, for at the back of his scalp was a ring of long black hair. Braided into the hair were three black-and-white eagle feathers. As if his hairstyle and dress were not striking enough, there was one more affectation that separated him from his companions. His face from brow to chin, was concealed behind a rectangle of black paint. Not an inch of his natural colour was visible, save for a crescent of white muscle set deep in the corner of each unblinking eye. His right hand gripped a shortened musket. His left rested on the head of a tomahawk tucked into his waist-sash. A maple-wood war-club in the shape of a gunstock lay in a sling across his back. The Indian, whose name was Tawanias, kept his gaze fixed on the doe. He did not flinch as a large yellow jacket, lured by the smell of bare grease and paint, landed on the back of his left wrist, folded its wings, and began to explore his exposed forearm. The white-tail hovered nervously at the edge of the wood, clearly apprehensive at the thought of venturing into the open, though the fact that she was there at all indicated that she was probably a regular visitor to the clearing, and therefore not averse to using the stream to satisfy her thirst, despite its proximity to human habitation. For a moment it looked as though she might overcome her fear— But at a sudden stream of excited bird chatter erupting from within the forest, the doe froze. With a lightning-fast turn, one swift bound, and a flash of pale rump, she was gone, swallowed by the dense underbrush. The Indian's attention switched immediately towards a point on the opposite side of the stream. Wyatt followed his companion's gaze to where a natural break in the trees and the beginning of a rough track could just be seen, and watched— as half a dozen riders cantered into view. They were in civilian dress, and each of them carried a musket, resting either across his thigh or strapped across his back. A sharp hiss came from the man on Wyatt's left. Militia! God damn! Another nearby voice spat forcefully, then more speculatively. You think they're after us, Lieutenant? The words were dispensed in a distinctive Scottish brogue. Without taking his eyes from the riders, Wyatt shook his head, frowned, and said softly, "'How would they know?' "'Some of their scouts will have got through. They'll have reported in,' the second speaker, whose name was Donaldson, responded, murmuring as though to himself, "'They must have gotten wind of us by now. They'd have to be blind otherwise, or bloody deaf.' Wyatt pursed his lips. They'd be coming from Albany in force if that was the case. Our own scouts would have warned us. It was a wonder, Wyatt reflected as he watched the horsemen draw closer to the stream, that the expedition had made it this far without being discovered. Though Colonel Johnson had been very careful in his preparations, periodically sending out skirmishers along Champlain's wooded shoreline in order to fool enemy scouts into thinking the final incursion was merely one in a number of reconnaissance missions, and therefore of no specific interest. 
Only when the force had finally assembled at Lachine had war bands from the Lake of Two Mountains been dispatched to search for and capture rebel patrols to prevent them from spreading word of the impending raid, thus clearing the path for the main body of troops to come in behind them undetected. And incredibly, the plan had worked. More than five hundred men, over three hundred whites and nearly two hundred native allies, had successfully negotiated the landing at Crown Point and completed the nine-day march through enemy territory without a shot being fired. This morning was the first time Wyatt and his group had sighted a rebel force, either regular or militia. If that's what this lot were, Wyatt thought. Their dress and weaponry certainly suggested the latter, but then every man who lived in this part of the state, close to what could loosely be termed the frontier, had a gun for protection as well as a means of providing food for the table. It was possible they were just a group of friends out for a morning's hunt.